0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowee.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Anyone else thankful he's not done yet? (laughs) Oh, praise God. Anyone realize that we are not there yet? We still have a lot to work on. I know I do. And I am thankful that God is not done yet. I hope you all had a very merry and blessed Christmas. It's so great to see all of you today. Um, This is your first time with us. I am Chris. I am a student pastor. And so I want to beg of you to come back next week when Jason, the real senior pastor, is here. I am just filling in. So please give us two weeks. Give us two tries. Um, Jason will be back next week. <laughs> but I'm grateful to be filling the pulpit for Jason this week. Jason, our senior pastor, um, grateful for his leadership, for um, just the time and effort that he pours into ministry to this amazing church family. I'm grateful that he is able to get away and spend some time with family, well-deserved um, for all that he does, and I'm just grateful to be here with you today. Um, who here likes to wait? Good. <laughs> all right. I'm not alone in this, right? The reality is, though, that much of our life will be waiting. Much of our life, we find ourselves waiting. In doctor's office, we find ourselves waiting for answers. We find ourselves waiting in lines, waiting for food. We find ourselves waiting for a next season or a next chapter in life. And as all of us maybe agree is we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait for our prime two-day shipping on day three or four. We don't like to wait in the fast food line too long especially when they ask you to pull forward (laughs) and no one's behind you. (laughs) But we find ourselves waiting. And today, I want to look at a couple people in the Bible that were waiting. And I want us to see how we can look into their lives and we can see how we will wait and how we can wait and wait well. Because... We're, if we're honest, all of us are waiting, right? Especially in this year, we have been waiting for restrictions to be lifted. We are waiting to go back into school full-time. We're waiting for our ball season to start. We're waiting for a lot of different things. The reality is that we will continue to wait. Even if restrictions are lifted, even if things go back to normal, we will still find ourselves waiting, waiting on answers waiting on breakthroughs, waiting on test results, waiting on food and gifts and everything else. We will continue to find ourselves waiting. So I want to look at the Gospel of Luke in the second chapter. I want to look at two individuals. We want to look at their lives and see how they were waiting and how they waited well and how we can wait well. They were waiting for the first advent, the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. They were waiting on the Messiah, the promised Messiah, Savior of the world. And if if we remember between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a lot of silence. There was a lot of waiting going on. A long time. And today... We are waiting on the second advent. Scripture promises that Christ will return, and so we, too, are waiting. And how can we, as Christians today, how can we wait and wait well? So let's pray and let's dig into God's Word. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for life. I thank you for your Word and your truth. I pray, God, as we read your word, God, would you help us to hear from you and not from me. God, I pray, God, that you would fill the gap where I fall short. And I pray, God, that I may decrease so that you may increase. For you alone are worthy. Help us, God, to hear from you. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive your word. And, God, would we apply it to our lives? and boldly live it out for your glory. We love you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21. We're going to read through the scripture, and then we will look for some points to apply to our lives today. It says, When in eight days had passed before his circumcision, His name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were complete, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus... To carry out what was carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are pleasing your bond servant sorry, now Lord, you are releasing your bond to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother amazed, were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to give thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. All right, that was a lot of verses. So Let's unpack today's passage as we continue in this Christmas season. And we continue to look at the birth of our Savior. We see first at the beginning in verse 21 of his circumcision and his name given to him after the eight days. We see Jesus continuing to be under the law, but fulfilling the law, that he continued to live according to the law. And then we see that Mary is in, finished her time of purification. Mary, under the Levitical law, would be considered unclean for some 40 days after giving birth to her son, Jesus Christ. And so according to the law, according to the law of Moses, she would be required to offer an offering for her purification. She she is going to the temple to offer an offering for her purification, but also to dedicate Christ. Now, the purification time, this 40 days after birth, she would be considered unclean, And unable to enter the temple, unable to um, touch anything holy or um, of the the sanctuary or of the temple. But I find it very crazy. This was, was a time here as I was looking into scripture that something that I've seen that I've never seen before and made me smile. And I believe in these moments and in this period of 40 days that Jesus also smiled as the purification process and and they were talking about the law and they were talking about the offering that had to be made that, you know when you see an infant baby and they smile and you're like, oh, that's so cute. And then they're like, well, that was probably just gas or, you know, that was just, you know, they're, they're building their muscle memory, and they, they kind of chalk it up to nothing. But I believe Jesus was smiling for another reason. Because while Mary was ceremonially, ceremonially unclean, where she was unable to enter into the sanctuary or touch anything holy, she is holding the King of kings and Lord of lords. She's in the very presence of God, holding him. And yet the law said, you can't touch anything. That's, that's of, of ceremonial significance. You can't touch anything of the temple. You can't enter the sanctuary, and she is in the presence of God himself. <laughs> and I have to imagine that there were times where Jesus was smiling and saying, yeah, you are in the presence of God. You are holding the King of kings and the Lord of lords in these moments. But yet the law would say she can't touch, she can't enter into the temple. She can't enter... Into the sanctuary. And it just made me smile. <laughs> and I believe Jesus was smiling too at his mother. Because Jesus, we'll see later in the Gospels where he doesn't look on the outside, but he's concerned about the heart. He he's looks on the inside. When, when the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're like, why do your disciples not wash before they eat? Because Jesus is saying, it's the heart that matters. We see that Jesus comes to fulfill the law, and he gives us a new covenant. We are no longer under the law, but under grace and love and mercy. We are under a new covenant with Christ. But we see here that Mary goes through the steps, that Mary is presenting her purification, her offering, but we see something significant or something of of good importance for us to point out is that her offering was of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons but if we read in Leviticus in the 12th chapter is that she should be bringing a lamb to offer but they made exemption for those who were poor and those that were of the the lower status of, of for the for the peasants and for the the people that did not have the lamb and they could give A poor offering of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so Christ is born into this family that society would look and say they're a bunch of nobodies. They're just peasants. But yet Christ enters their life. and So it doesn't matter about status and title and stature. But he looks to the heart, right? He uses the unqualified, those that are not equipped, and he uses them to be a beautiful part of his redemption story. And then we see as they continue to to be in their time there in the temple, it says that there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, and he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Now, when I started studying, I was looking, okay, who is Simeon? And I was trying to, to research and, and get some background of who is Simeon, and I kept on wondering, who is Simeon? Who is this guy? And he's another nobody. He's a man that lives a quiet life. He's a man that I I can't see what tribe or lineage he comes from, that I don't see a, a special title or status that is associated with him. But he is a man of character. He is a man of character. He is a man of righteousness. He is right standing between his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's a right standing in the marketplace with his neighbors and those that he encounters. He's considered righteous but he's also considered devout. And so we see his character is complete, that he is devout to his calling, he is devout to his Lord, he is devout to his faith and to his God. And so yes, he is a nobody, but he understands the promises of God. He is in this time of waiting, he is looking for the consolation of Israel. He is looking for the Redeemer and the Messiah. He is waiting for God's promises, for God's faithfulness to be true because God is not done yet, just like that song. He is still working. And he is in this time of waiting and waiting and waiting, hundreds of years of waiting. Now, I wonder when was it revealed to him that he would not see death? that he would not see death before seeing the Lord's Christ. It was promised to him that he would see the Messiah. Now how long in his ministry, how long in his walk, how long? Tradition says he's about 115 somewhere, give or take. We don't know exactly how old, but how long has he been waiting? When did the Spirit speak to him and say, you will see the Messiah? How long has he been waiting for that answered prayer? But we see two great characteristics in his life, righteous and devout. And I believe that's a good word for us today because we are all waiting. And how should we wait? We should wait actively. Just like Simeon, he is waiting actively. His faith is in action. He is devout. He is righteous. He is in good standing with those he encounters people see something different. He is a devout follower of God. He understands the scripture and he is walking in those promises. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't get it all and he's waiting, but he's not stagnant. Anybody in here ever waits stagnantly? Anybody ever wait and forget to pray and to read scripture and then your worries and your mind starts going in these crazy directions and you start worrying about things that you know you shouldn't be worrying about and you start to conjure up a story and you start to think these thoughts and you start to to bring all this maybe anxious emotion into the circumstances, right? And you're like, man, I should have just prayed. Like I should have just looked to God's word but yet, when we wait, we are stagnant, and we are inactive in our waiting. I don't know about you, but my mind can go a hundred different directions, trying to play out scenario after scenario after what-ifs and maybes and unknowns. But we see Simeon in a spot where he is actively living out his faith, that he is, he is looking for something. He is looking for the consolation of Israel, that he is found devout, and it says the Holy Spirit is upon him. It has been revealed to him that he will not see death before seeing the Lord's Christ. And then, in the Spirit, there he comes into the temple. And it says, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out the custom of the law, There comes Simeon. He sees them. Now, there would have probably been multiple families and children there in the temple that day, dedicating their children, bringing their offerings before the Lord. And the Spirit leads Simeon to this one, this one over off into the corner, this one little baby. the Spirit whispers, there he is. That's the one you've been waiting for. So not only was Simeon waiting actively, but I believe we can say that Simeon is waiting openly because I wonder how many priests or how many other religious leaders or people were there in the temple and saw Jesus, but just chalked him up for another baby, just another infant there in the temple because they were looking for a political solution. They, they were so engrossed in, in, in their tradition. They were so narrow-minded. They were not open to the workings of God and how God uses in unconventional ways, and God uses people that we chalk them up for, for, for done and for failures and for good for nothing or for the outcast. and God looks and uses things that we would never even plan or fathom to try to to piece together. But God spoke to Simeon, and Simeon was waiting openly by saying, I don't know how you're going to do this or how you're going to reveal this, but I'm open, Lord. Show me. Show me your salvation. Show me your answers. How many others passed by the Savior? because they had their own agendas and their own plans, and they had their own outlooks and their own traditions. That they were going to continue to do the things that they did and how they always had done it. They were not open and sensitive to the, to the Spirit. But there, as he is waiting openly, the Spirit draws him to Christ. And Simeon goes over to Mary and Joseph, and it says that he took him, he took Jesus into his arms. Now, as a new parent, could you imagine being there, and all of a sudden, this old man comes and takes your child? <laughs> like, is he a crazy man? Is he a kidnapper? Is he a murderer? Like, what, who is this guy that now has my child in their arms, right? Worst of all, did he wash his hands? But then they hear these words spoken. We hear Simeon. It says he took him in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. According to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. These words that Simeon is speaking would be equivalent to to a, a slave being set free. And that is exactly what Christ would do. He would set those that were bound by sin. He would set those that were captive free. Simeon had experienced, had seen the salvation, had seen Jesus Christ, his salvation, and he was ready to die. He was at peace. He had seen the face of God. He has been freed from this waiting. And so we see God interrupting Simeon's waiting and releasing him free, free to die, free to be at peace. And that's exactly what Christ does. And not only that, but this great message of hope that, he, that, that Simeon now sends out. It says that you have been prepared in the presence of all people. And he specifically says the light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now, Simeon wasn't so engrossed by the law and the teachings of Scripture that he said that, it, that, that salvation is for Israel, the nation of Israel, and no one else. But he says that God is grafting in the whole world into salvation. Salvation is for, it says here, for the glory of the people of Israel, but also for the whole world, for all of us, that we are a part of the great salvation of Jesus Christ. We are a part of that great hope that we can all be comforted and receive the consolation, that we can all receive the redemption of Christ. And so here we see this great message that is spoken of this baby. How many would have missed that? How many did miss that? It goes on to say that the fa- his father, Jesus, Joseph and Mary that his father and mother were amazed at the things that were being said about him, about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them, and then he speaks some hard words to Mary. He says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. We see this significant. We see that many rejected Christ like a magnet. Many were attracted and many were repelled. We see this in in Peter who, who accepted Christ. And we see this in Judas who despaired. We see this in the life of Christ, in his ministry, that many accepted his message and many had nothing, had wanted nothing to do with it. But it says that he will be the cause, be appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. Yes, Mary, you are favored. Yes, Mary, you get to hold and kiss the face of God, but there is a sword that will pierce even your own soul as they see him rejected and beaten. We see here in these words of Simeon that his mission, his eyes were on the cross, and his ministry was to the cross for the redemption for the, for, for the satisfaction, to satisfy the wrath of God, to die in our place, to shed his blood for our forgiveness, for our redemption, for us to be freed. We see here from the very beginning where the cross was present in the, in, in the beginning of his life, at the, at the center of his life. And it says that, and to the end that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's where his focus was, was the heart. He didn't look for behavior modification, but life transformation to give us a new heart and give us new life. And so from the beginning, these words spoken of our, of our Savior, these words spoken to the mother of Jesus. And then we see great similarity as Anna now shows up on the scene. And there was a prophetess, Anna a daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage. She would have probably married somewhere around the age of 14, and she had seven years with her husband until what happens? But life, but an interruption to her marriage, death. Her husband, torn from her, And she is left a widow by the age of somewhere around 21 years of age. Her marriage and her life, her plans interrupted. I don't see here evidence of a child. I could imagine that rumors were going around about this woman. What kind of sin was in her life that, one, she doesn't have any kids, and now, two, her husband has died? What kind of rumors, what kind of Uh, devastation has entered her life. What kind of baggage is she carrying? But what does she do at, at this young age? Does she remarry? No, she could have. But what does she do? She takes all of her baggage, all of her luggage, her home. She packs it up and comes to the temple. And there she waits. She waits for 63 years. At the age of 84, we now see her there in the temple. What does it say? That she was devout just like Simeon that she was sold out. She never left the temple. She served night and day, fasting and praying, actively waiting for God to do something, for God to continue his faithfulness to, to come to fruition, for her to experience redemption, to be restored and renewed. There she brings her whole her baggage, everything that she has, and she is sold out and says, I'm going to wait actively praying and fasting. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know who holds tomorrow. In 63 years, she is waiting. She is praying and she is fasting. And year after year, is it this year? Is it today? Is it it next year? When? She continues to serve, actively waiting. And it says at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God And she continued to speak of him to all of those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. 63 years of waiting is interrupted with the Savior there in her presence That she gets to experience God incarnated in the flesh, the baby, there at the temple, interrupting her waiting, and she experiences God's goodness. We see here two unfit people. We see Simeon a nobody, but his character, righteous and devout, looking looking and waiting for the consolation, looking for something to change, looking for hope, looking for peace. That's how God works. He speaks to our heart. He reveals in our heart that there's something missing. There's something more to life than just the day in and day out. He interrupts our life and he says, I can give you peace. The same thing with Anna. Her marriage and her plans and her life interrupted. She is a broken mess. And she brings it all to Christ. She brings it all to God. She doesn't clean up before she gets there. She doesn't try to to fix things, but she brings it all and brings it to the feet of God. And God does something beautiful. Now, I would have liked these things to happen right away. But God's timing is always perfect. And he is always on time. The answer for the hope, for the consolation, for Simeon, the answer for the redemption of those that were looking for it, the answer for peace, for comfort, for restoration, for Simeon, for Anna, is Jesus. The answer for us as we are in a mess, as we are looking for peace, as we are looking for hope, in the midst of the craziness that life brings to us is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. It's Jesus for them. It's Jesus for us. It's Jesus in 2020. It's Jesus in 2021. It's Jesus today and tomorrow and forever. And Jesus is coming back. How will he find us? How will he find us waiting for his return? Will we be found righteous? will people look at our lives and say there's something different about them? We've got a small group leader that, that, that pours into our students so faithfully and he has told them and encouraged them. One of his greatest fears is for someone to look into his life and say, I never knew he was a Christian. I never knew he loved Jesus. Will people look into our lives Will they look onto our social medias? Will they look into our our chaos and our storms and say there's something different about that person? Will they be able to see the evidence of hope and reconciliation and transformation, the hope of Jesus Christ? Will they see that in our lives? May we be found like Simeon, like Anna, righteous and devout. Will others see us as righteous and devout, because it's not our righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Christ living in us and through us. So we must experience his righteousness. We must first experience the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And as we experience that righteousness, as we experience God's salvation then like Simeon and like Anna, we are called to continue to share that with others. We continue to share that hope that we have, to continue to tell and to speak of Jesus to all who are looking for hope, all who are looking for peace and for comfort. His name is Jesus, and that is enough that is sufficient for us to speak of Jesus, to live for Jesus, to share Jesus. And that's our invitation today, for you to experience Jesus, for you to share Jesus. Where? Wherever you find yourself. Wherever you are. You don't have to hop on an airplane and go to Burkina Faso, Africa, and to be a missionary sold out. You can be sold out for him here. In your schools, in your community, in your brokenness, in your pains and in your trials, all of us are called to share Jesus. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we close. I want to challenge you this week, today, tomorrow, and every day following that, to continue to be found faithful and righteous, to continue to share Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for life. We thank you for your word and your truth. Help us, God, to continue to share this hope that we have. Help us to wait as Simeon and Anna did faithfully, righteously, devotionally for your coming, your return that you have promised because you are faithful. Let us be found faithful. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.